Hello, and welcome to the Pet Corner. Your host is Mary. As a reminder, Radio Eye is a reading service intended for people who are blind or have other disabilities that make it difficult to read printed material. Today we'll continue reading The Secret Lives of Dogs, The Real Reasons Behind 52 Mysterious Canine Behaviors, by Jenna Murphy and the editors of Pets, Part of the Family. This chapter is Licking Their Feet. Nearly everything makes them itchy. Imagine going through life without being able to scratch certain parts of your body. People are lucky in this regard. We have long arms and fingers that can reach just about anywhere. It isn't so easy for dogs. Despite their flexible spines and mobile hind legs, there are spots that they can't reach very well, such as the tops of their noses, the bases of their tails, and especially the bottoms of their feet. Dogs' paws pads are loaded with nerve endings and are unusually sensitive, says Jeff Nickel, DVM, a veterinarian in Albuquerque, New Mexico. When dogs get itchy, the feet are the place most likely to be affected. Since they can't use one paw to scratch the other, they use their tongues and teeth, and the biting and slurping can go on for hours. There are several reasons that the feet are so prone to itching. For one thing, dogs don't wear shoes, which means their feet come into contact with all sorts of irritating, itchy things. In addition, they get allergies, just as often as people do. The main symptom of canine allergies is itchy feet. What they're allergic to doesn't matter all that much, Dr. Nickel adds. Food, pollen, dust, and fleas are all potential allergens that seem to affect the feet worst of all. Some dogs get itchy feet just from walking across a newly mown lawn. Pause for pedicures. Unlike cats, who happily spend hours grooming themselves each day, dogs are singularly grungy. They don't worry much about dirt. In fact, they seem to go out of their way to get dirty. Despite this general indifference to hygiene, they take very good care of their feet. At least a few times a day, they inspect their feet closely, then lick and bite away things that happen to be stuck, like pebbles, burrs, or splinters, says Craig N. Carter, DVM, Ph.D., head of epidemiology at Texas Veterinary Medical Diagnostic Laboratories at Texas A&M University and College Station. Normal foot grooming shouldn't take more than a few minutes, Dr. Carter adds. Dogs who lick or bite their feet all the time aren't simply being clean. There's something wrong, and they're trying to get relief. Despite their passion for keeping their feet clean, dogs don't like it when anyone else touches them, says Dr. Carter. This may be because the feet are somewhat ticklish. It's not uncomfortable when they lick their own feet, but they don't want anyone else to do it. Even when they're among other dogs, the feet are off limits. It may be that they have an instinctive aversion to having their feet handled. A dog's feet are everything to him, Dr. Carter adds. Dogs depend on them to survive, so it's no wonder that they're protective about letting anyone touch them. Now that you understand, soak them in oatmeal water. The colloidal oatmeal sold in pharmacies is very helpful for reducing itching, says Dr. Nickel. Put a few inches of cool water in the tub or a basin, mix in a handful of the oatmeal, and let your dog stand in the solution for a few minutes. 
Even if you don't add oatmeal, cool water shrinks blood vessels in the feet, which will help reduce itching. Protect the skin with fatty acids. Some dogs get itchy feet because they aren't getting enough fatty acid in their diets. Fatty acid supplements available in pet supply stores and from veterinarians can be very effective. They don't work quickly, however, so it may be a month or two before you notice any improvement. Ask your vet about food allergies. People who are allergic to the proteins in certain foods will usually get hives or upset stomachs. Dogs with food allergies are more likely to get itchy feet. The only way to tell if your dog is allergic to something that he's eating is to put him on a totally different diet, one that contains none of the ingredients in his usual food. You can buy hypoallergenic foods from veterinarians and in pet supply stores. If food allergies are the problem, the itching should clear up in 8 to 10 weeks. At that point, ask your veterinarian to recommend a food that's less likely to cause itching later on. Use antihistamines. Allergies can be difficult to identify, and some veterinarians don't bother. Instead, they advise treating the symptoms with antihistamines. Diphenhydramine, Benadryl, can be very helpful, says Dr. Nickel. He recommends giving 1 to 2 milligrams for every 8 pounds of weight. Get rid of fleas. Flea bites themselves aren't very itchy, but some dogs have allergic reactions to flea saliva. The easiest way to get rid of fleas is usually with either an oral drug, such as Program, or a topical liquid called Advantage. Both of these products will control fleas much more effectively than sprays or powders, says Dottie Laflamme, DVM, Ph.D., a veterinary nutritionist with the Purina Company in St. Louis. Don't bother with bad tastes. A traditional and ineffective remedy for foot licking is to coat the paw pads with a bad-tasting ointment, such as Granix Bitter Apple. While this and other repellents may keep dogs away from your shoes or the furniture, they won't help with foot licking because the itching is usually too intense. Dogs aren't going to let a little bad taste get in the way. Fast Fix Coating your dog's foot pads with petroleum jelly once or twice a day will help trap moisture and keep them from cracking and itching, says Dr. Carter. Unlike most hand creams and lotions, petroleum jelly also creates a strong physical barrier that will help keep molds and pollens off the pads. Call for help. Allergies themselves are usually mild, but the way in which dogs react to them can be a real problem. Some dogs lick and bite their feet for hours day after day. The constant moisture and friction can result in deep, hard-to-heal sores called lick granulomas. The sores are painful and often get infected, and they rarely respond to home treatments. Any sore on the paws that doesn't start getting better within a few days needs to be treated by a veterinarian. Breed Specific Despite their tough appearances, Dobermans and German Shepherds are real pussycats when it comes to sore feet. They're no more likely than other breeds to have foot problems, but they do tend to be more sensitive to pain and will complain more. This chapter is Tail Wagging, Sending Messages, Revealing Moods. When you want to know what dogs are thinking, all you have to do is look at their tails. Tails are almost always in motion, and every motion means something different. 
You can tell when a dog is feeling happy, aggressive, submissive, or worried just by looking at the wag of the tail, says Liz Palika, a trainer in Oceanside, California, and author of Love on a Leash. Their tails always reflect their emotions. The wag that we're most familiar with is the happy wag. Some dogs are so happy, in fact, that wagging their tails just isn't enough. They wag their entire back ends. I love to see dogs with their rumps shaking, says Cynthia Jacobs, DVM, a veterinarian in Clarksville, Arkansas. You know as soon as you see them that they are happy dogs and that they can't wait to meet you. For all of this mobility and self-expression, tails aren't very sensitive, Dr. Jacobs adds. This is why dogs with big tails can walk through the house thumping furniture and knocking lamps off tabletops without noticing the destruction going on behind them. They don't even feel it. Talking to you. Nature didn't give dogs expressive tails for the benefit of humans. They're really designed for long-distance communication with other dogs. Tails generally fly high above dogs' backs, allowing them to use them like flags to send messages from far away. They don't depend on this feature very much today, but it mattered a lot when dogs lived with other dogs. They could gauge the intentions and moods of strangers before they came within biting range. Thousands of years of human interference have made tails less effective than they used to be. Greyhounds, for instance, have been bred so that their tails are perpetually held low or tucked between their legs. To other dogs, they look like they're always scared. Alaskan Malamutes, on the other hand, have been bred to have their tails up all the time. They sometimes get into fights because they mistakenly convey the message that they're trying to be dominant. Then there's the issue of docking. Airedales, Cocker Spaniels, and some other breeds have their tails docked or cut short when they're a few days old. This may look good in the show ring, but it leaves these dogs with a stubby appendage to do the job that their whole tails were meant to do. Dogs manage to adjust, but they probably lose a little bit of subtlety in their communications, says Dr. Jacobs. They appear to make it up in other ways, for example, by using their eyes or ears to convey messages that otherwise might be shown with the flick of a tail. While all dogs use their tails in similar ways, there are some differences among breeds. Some hunting dogs, for example, have been bred to wag their tails constantly while going after prey. They only quit wagging when they've found what they're looking for. Herding dogs, on the other hand, have been bred to not move their tails very much because vigorous wags could excite the animals that they're trying to herd. Now that you understand, experts in canine communication have identified many tail themes and variations. Here are the ones you'll see most often. High and slow swishing. Veterinarians hear it all the time. I can't believe he bit me. His tail was wagging. People don't understand that wags aren't all the same and that there's a big difference between a happy wag and what experts call a swish. Dogs who raise their tails and slowly swish them back and forth aren't happy. This usually happens when a dog is thinking dominant thoughts and is ready to back them up, Palika says. Tail swishes are part of a whole communication package that includes puffing up the neck and moving the ears forward. Each of these things make dogs look bigger and more ferocious. It warns other dogs or people 
to stay away. Low and barely wagging. Just as dogs raise their tails when they're blustering, they lower them when they're intimidated. It's a sign of appeasement, a way of saying, please don't hurt me, look how small and helpless I am. Wagging madly. This is the wag that people like to see. Depending on the breed, the tail may be upright or pointing backward like a ruler. In either case, it will be beating the air wildly. This always signals a happy, enthusiastic dog. A Tale of Recovery When April got hit by a car, the prognosis was terrible. Her tail and both of her back legs were broken, and her veterinarian didn't think she'd walk again. And she'll never wag her tail, he told Larry Anderson, April's owner and a website designer and computer programmer in St. Cloud, Florida. Against all odds, April proved him wrong. A month after the accident, she was able to stand. A month after that, she was walking. Soon after that, her tail started to wag, not as vigorously as before, but enough to show that she was coming back. It's not much of a tail anymore, Larry admits. It's bulbous in the middle and a little on the crooked side. But it works, and it makes Larry happy every time he sees it. When I come home... April moves it as fast as she ever did, he says. Taxes and Tails Until fairly recently, all dogs had long, expressive tails. Then a few centuries ago, humans decided to make a few changes. Not for the sake of the dogs, but, as often happens, to collect a little money. The practice of docking or cutting tails short started in England. Dogs back then were divided into two groups those who worked for a living, and those who were kept only for their owner's pleasure, explains Liz Palika, a trainer in Oceanside, California, and author of Love on a Leash. People who owned luxury dogs were required to pay a tax. Working dogs were tax-free. To collect taxes efficiently, officials needed to distinguish the workers from the loungers, so they came up with the idea of docking the working dog's tails. As the years went by and people got used to seeing certain breeds with truncated tails, this became a breed standard, an agreed-upon look that sets one breed apart from the rest. Many of the same breeds who get their tails docked today had working ancestors in the old country. Paradoxically, what began as a mark of common working dog is now a sign of the canine elite. Dogs who are deemed worthy to represent their breeds at the Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show and other prestigious dog shows. This chapter is Throwing Up, The Price of Opportunity. Dogs throw up so often, and for so many reasons, that veterinarians rarely bother trying to figure out what caused a particular episode. Essentially, they blame it on fate. We call it gawk disease, G-O-K, says Robin Downing, DVM, a veterinarian in Windsor, Colorado. It stands for God Only Knows. Maybe it's because they get so much practice, but dogs don't seem to mind throwing up. Unless they're seriously ill with something, they aren't likely to lose much energy or even miss a meal. Dogs have a much higher tolerance for physical discomfort than people, says Karen Campbell, DVM a professor of small animal medicine at the University of Illinois College of Veterinary Medicine at Urbana-Champaign. Throwing up doesn't bother them nearly as much as us. 
Feed the mouth, build the stomach. In order to understand a dog's facility for throwing up, it helps to understand how they view food in general. Their ancestors were hunters, but unlike most animals who hunt, they weren't very good at it. Dogs learned quickly that if they wanted to survive, they had to eat everything. Fresh game, carrion, bones, even dirt and grass. And because their meals were sporadic, they got in the habit of really packing it in whenever they had the chance. After eons of evolution, dogs have become totally non-discriminating about food. They like everything, but not everything likes them back. Dogs usually get upset stomachs because they've eaten spoiled food, too much food, or food that's too rich, says Dr. Campbell. They also tend to get sick when they eat rough things like bones or grass, which irritate the stomach. Vomiting isn't good for carpets and wood floors, and it certainly isn't pleasant to witness or clean up, but it's fundamentally a healthy thing for dogs to do, says Tony Buffington, DVM, Ph.D., Professor of Clinical Nutrition at The Ohio State University, College of Veterinary Medicine in Columbus. Dogs have much shorter intestinal tracts than people do, so they can clear the whole thing faster, he says. Considering all the questionable things dogs eat, being able to get them out fast has a lot of survival value. Can't stomach being alone. We all know the feeling of stomach butterflies, which tend to swarm when we're nervous. Dogs get them too. There's a physical reason for this. Anxiety causes the stomach to produce more acid. The irritation, if it's strong enough, can stimulate stomach contractions that result in throwing up. Probably the main source of stress for dogs is the one that's hardest to avoid, spending time alone. Nature never intended dogs to live apart from their canine, or more recently their human, families. Many dogs get anxious when they're alone, which can give them a queasy feeling. This is why people sometimes come home and find evidence that their dogs have been violently ill, even though the dogs seem to be perfectly healthy. Small dogs tend to throw up more than bigger ones, Dr. Campbell adds. The reason is simple. They have little stomachs. Even a little bit of overindulgence can push them to the heaving point. The opposite happens, too. Small stomachs may not hold enough food to last all day. The resulting hunger spasms can trigger bouts of vomiting, she explains. Now that you understand, give their bellies a break. Dogs with flu or other stomach viruses may keep getting sick as long as there's food in their stomachs, says Dr. Downing. She recommends putting them on a fast for a day. Going without food for 24 hours gives their stomachs a chance to recover, and they'll start feeling better fairly quickly. Cook some rice and hamburger. A strange thing about dogs is that even when they've been throwing up, they'll often gobble their food just the same, then get sick some more. Dr. Downing recommends putting them on a rice and hamburger diet for a day or two. This combination is easy to digest and will help prevent a relapse, she explains. Give them extra fluids. You don't want dogs to drink a lot of water when they've been throwing up because that can stimulate more heaving but it's important to replace the fluids that vomiting has removed from their bodies. Once the worst of the sickness is over, replace your dog's usual water with Pedialyte, recommends Lynn Cox, DVM, a veterinarian in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Available in drugstores, this solution contains essential minerals called electrolytes. 
It will help prevent dehydration and keep dogs healthy. Pedialyte comes in several flavors. Most dogs prefer the orange, says Dr. Cox. Fast Fix Some of the same over-the-counter medicines that people use also help pets who have been throwing up. When your dog has been sick, try giving him one chewable Pepto-Bismol tablet for every 25 pounds of weight. They usually like the tablets better than liquids, says Dr. Cox. If you don't have tablets, it's fine to give liquid Pepto-Bismol, Dr. Campbell adds. The usual dose is half a tablespoon for every 15 pounds of dog two or three times a day. Why do dogs always throw up on the carpets? Put a dog in a large room with a vast expanse of easily cleaned tile. Should he need to throw up, he'll invariably wander off the tile and onto a carpet to lose his lunch. The more expensive the carpet it seems, the better the odds that he'll hit it. It's not entirely a coincidence. Dogs have a strong instinct not to soil the spaces where they sleep, eat, and drink, says Myrna Milani, DVM, a veterinarian in Claremont, New Hampshire, and author of Dog Smart. They're not really aiming for carpet, she adds. What they're doing is going as far as possible from their usual living area. And if that area happens to include an expensive oriental rug, well, that doesn't bother them at all. Call for help. Dogs throw up all the time, and usually it doesn't mean very much. You can get a good idea of how seriously it's likely to be just by watching how they feel afterward. If your dog throws up and doesn't look back, don't worry about it says Robin Downing, DVM, a veterinarian in Windsor, Colorado. Dogs who are acting mopey, however, or who have vomited five or more times in 24 hours, need to see a veterinarian. Serious vomiting can be caused by poisoning, ulcers, or other internal problems. You should get help right away. This chapter is Yawning at the Vets, Instant Calm. There's a lot of yawning going on out there, and only some of it's at bedtime. Marathon runners yawn before races. Musicians yawn backstage before concerts. Brides yawn before weddings. And dogs yawn when they're waiting in the veterinarian's office. Fatigue has little to do with all these mouth-open, tongue-curling yawns. Research has shown that yawning causes instantaneous changes in the body, in dogs as well as in people. Heart rates go up. Blood flow to the brain increases. The lungs fill to capacity, taking in oxygen and whisking away carbon dioxide. All of these changes help dogs dispel anxiety, gather their wits, and focus on the tasks at hand, explains Ronald Benninger, Ph.D., professor of psychology at Temple University in Philadelphia and a leading authority on yawning. Few things in a dog's life are as exciting and as nerve-wracking as waiting to see the veterinarian, adds Joanne Howell, DVM, a veterinarian in West River, Maryland. Even before they walk in the door, they're barraged with smells from unfamiliar and sick animals, strange people and medications, antiseptics and cleaners. Dogs can probably smell other dogs' fear as well as the nervousness of their owners, she says. It's not a reassuring environment and it makes most dogs feel rather apprehensive. To calm themselves, they yawn and keep yawning. It helps them center themselves when they're really excited or agitated, Dr. Howell says. Getting pumped. 
Yawning helps dogs cope with all kinds of stress, not just stress that's caused by strange or frightening things, says Dr. Benninger. Dogs who are anticipating something good will often yawn a few times to get their minds and bodies prepared. It gives them a surge of energy and helps control their eager agitation. When I grab a leash, my dogs wake up fast, stretch, and give a big yawn. Then they're ready to go, he says. Yawning was especially helpful back in the days when dogs had to catch their own suppers. Ancient dogs, just like dogs today, spent a lot of their time sleeping. It wouldn't do for them to be groggy after waking up, especially when a likely meal happened to wander by. They had to make the transition from dead sleep to full alertness almost instantaneously, and yawning helped them to do it. All meat-eating animals use yawning as a kind of wake-up pill, Dr. Benninger explains. Slower-moving, plant-eating animals, cows, for example, don't yawn very much. They don't really have to get their energy up for much of anything, he says. Mom needs a break. Puppies start learning about yawns within a few days of being born. Apart from doing their own yawning, they learn to watch their mother's yawns. A yawn from mom is a sign that it's time for the pups to settle down. Mother dogs probably don't use yawns as a deliberate form of communication, but when they're feeling comfortable and relaxed, their puppies naturally relax as well. As adults, dogs will yawn to calm themselves in many situations. In training classes, for example, yawning can reach epidemic proportions. You see it a lot in dogs who are really eager to please but don't know how, says Dr. Howell. Dogs who start getting frustrated will often yawn as a way of taking a mental break, she explains. They do the same thing in veterinarians' offices. Some dogs will yawn nearly nonstop, especially when they're in the waiting room and aren't sure what's going to happen. Once an examination is underway, a yawn or two is a good sign, says Dr. Howe. Sometimes I'll see a really tense dog on the table, and I'll start talking to her and petting her to settle her down, she says. When she gives that big yawn, I know she's starting to come around. Now that you understand, yawn back. For dogs as well as people, the memory of mom gives a lot of comfort. You can rekindle this soothing memory as a way of calming dogs when they're feeling anxious. The next time you're at the vet's and your dog is looking nervous, give a big yawn of your own. Many dogs will respond the same way people do when someone yawns, by yawning back says Dr. Benninger. It's best to start doing this when dogs are still young and are naturally attuned to watching for yawns, says Dr. Howell. If you start early, you can use this trick throughout their lives to keep them calm at the veterinarians and in other stressful situations. Take a break. A sleepy yawn now and then doesn't mean very much, but dogs who are giving one yawn after another are anxious about something. Yawning back isn't going to calm them down. What they really need is a break from the situation, says Dr. Howell. Rather than staying in the veterinarian's waiting room, for example, find out how much time there is until your appointment. If there's time, take your dog outside. A quick walk or even a big breath of fresh air will stimulate some of the same physical responses as yawning, she explains. Your dog will feel calmer and will be less upset when you come back inside. People who train dogs always watch for yawns because they invariably mean their dogs have reached the end of their attention spans. They start yawning when they simply can't take in any more information. Pushing them at this point will increase their frustration and trigger even more yawning. 
Yawning means that it's time to do something else for a while, says Dr. Howe. This concludes Pet Corner for today, and your reader has been Mary. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions concerning this program, please call us in our Lexington studios, 859-422-6390. Thank you for listening, and please stay tuned for continued programming on Radio I.